<laughs> Speaking of monitoring. <laughs> Damn it. Why do I keep giving you such fuel? You think, oh my gosh, maybe it's time to consider the way you behave. <laughs> no, no, I think it's working for you. <laughs> oh, Don't mess with a good I... thing, girl. Hi, and welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about dabbling in self-improvement 30 days at a time. On today's episode, we are going to talk about the strategy of monitoring to help with improving your habits. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada, and with me is my much more disciplined friend, Jenny. I've got some experiences to share that will hopefully be helpful when monitoring to help form good habits. That's me, Jenny Kaus, a marketing professional from St. Thomas, Ontario. I'm a small town gal and a big believer in the power of habits. I'm going to do my best to whip our guinea peg into shape and hold her accountable to habit changes that she will undertake one month at a time. I'll be playing along too, and as we take on a new habit each month, we hope to inspire you to become more disciplined more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall your own best self. That first monthly challenge, Peg, I gotta ask, how's it going? All right, so with the monthly challenge, let's review. We are doing flossing teeth, making bed, and drinking more water. So as it comes to these habits, the making the bed and the flossing the teeth are almost 100% perfect. I missed flossing my teeth one day in the last week. We had a late night and I just forgot. So it just didn't fit into my regular routine. So it didn't happen. Anyway, in terms of making bed, I, uh, I feel wrong if I don't have the bed made. So that's happening. In terms of drinking water, we're going to talk a little bit about a strategy that will give an indication of how I'm doing there. It has been a little bit better this week than last week. Awesome. So that is interesting that when your routine changes, that the flossing was the thing that went. I wonder what that is versus the making the bed. Maybe the morning is more consistent than evenings in general? Well, definitely. And this particular evening, we had gone out, there was dinner, I had a couple of drinks, maybe it was because I was slightly impaired. Uh, It could have been any of those things. But really, Mm -hmm. it comes back to us talking about triggers. So when my evening routine is its normal self where I'm following my regular get ready for bed routine. I think that is part of the trigger. So it just goes to show you that having a trigger and having a regular routine associated with the trigger is powerful. So I think I need to kind of get back to my routine and realize that. And maybe uh, if I'm going to plan ahead and give myself the best chance for success, I should recognize that if I know I'm going to be out for dinner or if I'm going to have a different routine at night and not get home till late, that maybe I should floss my teeth earlier in the day or plan ahead. Ah, great solution. Great solution. That best friend, your, I think you refer to it as your pretend best friend or your internet best friend, Gretchen my Rubin? online pretend best friend? <laughs> online pretend best friend, Gretchen Rubin. Her book, The Happiness Project, she talks about monitoring what we're talking about. I had read this, I was rereading this book and I came across a part where she's speaking about Benjamin Franklin and how he monitored his habits. She details in the book how in his book, Autobiography, he talks about how he designed a chart 
to track his desired virtues, he called them, each day. And then he would check in at the end of the day to see if he had met those inner expectations he had set for himself. And he would give himself a score. So I thought this was a really interesting example of monitoring. And in her book, Gretchen details how she went on to create her own version of a scoring chart for herself. He had some really interesting ones that he was tracking uh, in terms of calling them virtues each day. But this technique makes total sense to keep track of how you're doing. Yeah, this makes total yeah. sense. Gretchen Rubin says that just keeping track of how much you do something tends to make you better and it makes it easier to change a habit. So the monitoring is key when you're trying to make a new good habit. Absolutely. And, I could not agree with this more. And this is what I found this past week with the water. So every day, instead of just drinking water whenever I felt thirsty or trying to uh, do the you know, we talked about the 25 ounces a certain number of times a day, my 16 ounces in the morning. I was sometimes good at that, sometimes not. But even just for a week, all I did was every time I had water, I wrote it down. Or coffee, as we talked about last week, the coffee can count towards your fluid intake in caffeine-habituated individuals, as you may remember. Uh, yes. So check out episode uh, two if you're not sure what I'm talking about and use your coffee as part of the total for your fluid intake for the day. But so we uh, do our uh, recording of the podcast on Monday. Tuesday, I drank 95 ounces of fluid. 75 was water. And my goal is 75 ounces. So that was a pretty good day. Wednesday was mm -hmm. 90 ounces of fluid. 58 of that was water. Not as good with the water. A little bit more coffee that day. Thursday, I worked out this day, which is probably why the, the, the number is a little bit higher. But I had 120 ounces of fluid and 88 of that was water. Friday... 88 ounces of fluid, 56 was water. Saturday, 88 ounces of fluid, 72 was water. Sunday was hard to tell. I didn't really monitor. And today, uh, I've had 60 ounces so far. Um, 32 of that was water. So I still have, I'm in process of drinking another glass of water now as we record. And I'm sure I'll have another one before bed. So just the fact that I monitored this week has made a huge difference. I've gotten a lot more fluid in. And I do have to say the first two days, I couldn't stop peeing and I had to get up twice in the night to pee. So what I oh, did wow. is the next day, I drank a lot of the water earlier in the day, which helped. Yeah. So then I was peeing all throughout the day, but not so much at night, which was much better. I, which leads into my question. So is this at the end of the day, you'll write this down or keep track in whichever way you're keeping track toward the end of the day? No, I just did it or, as I went. So I have a little posty note stuck in my calendar. I tend to be ah. a pen to paper girl and I've done my best to try with mobile apps, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. But usually yeah. for me, writing something down with pen on paper, it sticks better. It seems to work better for me. So in my paper mm -hmm. calendar, I had just a little posty note each day. And each time I would have more fluid, I would just write it down in the time and what, what I had to drink. Okay, so by the end of the day, when you're looking at it, perhaps, and you're looking at that total, <laughs> this is this is where maybe we're different. But if I saw, like, if you had that amount set for yourself, and then one day, so I'm looking at Tuesday, 75, Wednesday, 58. So if Wednesday you knew you were short, are you tempted, as I would be, to just suddenly just slam a bunch of water just to hit that goal? I would guess that I might be tempted to, but because I had gotten up the night before to pee twice, I was less tempted. <laughs> Fair. So I understand that want to get to the goal, but I also need my sleep. So there was that. 
Okay. Were you, when you were younger, were you a gold star getter? Like, were you addicted to the gold stars, always having to get that? Yes, I was. Because I think that I'm realizing the more that we talk about that, I think that my need to, to check that box every day, whenever, whatever habit it is, I think that's what that is a little bit. It's that tendency to want to get that. And I think that's something that Gretchen is, you know, known for talking about as well. She's a, she's a gold star getter from way back. And I think she talks about it. And I agree with her. If you know that about yourself, then it can be a powerful motivator or it can be a powerful strategy to help you to achieve your habits. If you know that at the end of the day, it only says 58 and you want it to be 75, you're going to get after it and do it. Even if you have to get up and pee in the night, got your gold star, girl. Absolutely. And maybe the inconvenience of having to get up in the night would prompt you to want to drink more earlier, like it has for you, drink more earlier in the day so that that's not a problem. Yes, definitely. That's great. We were talking briefly about, you were saying about putting your post-it in your day planner. Um, In terms of monitoring, I mean, you know, we were talking about Benjamin Franklin and how he had a a paper chart. I'm guessing he didn't have an app. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Um, There's so many different ways. So if you're not a person who you know, is, is carries around paper, if that would be an inconvenience. I mean, whatever works for you, there is going to be a way to track this. And I think tracking is so important. I, one example of tracking that was really eye opening for me was my fitness pal. I tried my fitness pal for a month. And for those of you who don't know my fitness pal, you track, um, well, you can track your intake of food and it'll give you so much data about what you're eating. And then as well, your exercise. And after a month of tracking my food, what an eye opener to really get aware. So I think that any kind of monitoring you're doing when it comes to habits can be such an eye opener because then you have real data to work with. So any type of monitoring you can do. So we mentioned paper, like keeping track on a simple chart, something that you're carrying around with you that's easy, maybe in a little notebook, in your day planner, if you use one. Um, If you're a spreadsheet person, I mean, I love a good spreadsheet. Uh, Mobile apps are amazing for this. I mentioned my fitness pal. That's one I'm sure that you can track your water intake as well. And I feel like I remember at an appointment, you and I were talking once in many, you know, as we did tend to talk about habits a lot at our appointments, you had an app, I feel like. Yes, yes. So the app that I was using, uh, and I'll link to this in the show notes, and as well as my fitness pal that Jenny was talking about, it was called Way of Life. And it gives you an opportunity to put in as many habits as you want, and which days you want to uh, do those habits. So if you're only going to the gym three days a week, you can put in three days a week versus having every day. So that would be for the water and the flossing and the making the bed. And right now, if you're just working on one, you could just do one. So it's a, a really awesome idea. And I liked it. It was one of those things where I guess because my brain prefers pen to paper, I did it for a while and it was helpful for a while, but it it didn't really stick. So I might go back to it just to try it again and see if that is contributing to some assistance with this water challenge. The other thing I want to add while it's on my brain is when we're talking about monitoring, I've talked about the fact that I had a goal for my water intake, but let's say you don't necessarily have a goal for your water intake or for your food, whatever food you're eating or for whatever habit it is that you want to do. Just 
by monitoring. So just taking note of and writing it down or putting in an app, that alone itself is shown to improve your habits. You'll get better even just by noticing what you're doing without even having a goal to do something better. It's this neat way that we can sort of trick ourselves into doing something better just by taking a look at what we're doing. Yeah, it brings that awareness to it when you focus on that. I think a lot of people aren't aware. I know even for me with my fitness pal and keeping track of food, I didn't realize how many things I was eating that I wasn't really eating in a conscious way, but in, it would make me think if I, it was like even just the inconvenience of having to put it in the app, I'd be like, ugh, not worth it. You know, if I'm walking past the vending machine and thinking, oh, I might like some chips and I would think, oh, but then I got to put it in the app. And then oh, that's, that's interesting. Against, it became a real eye opener. The actual app so, itself became a deterrent to eating the food. Absolutely. And because I'm so, I don't even know what the right word is to use for it, but because I was so rigid about it and didn't want to fudge it, like I wasn't going to eat something and not putting it in. I wanted to give this a real chance and, and be realistic about what was I really eating and have some real data to go from. I mean, the data is only as good as what you put in there. Right. So it was uh, definitely an eye opener. So I think, you know, monitoring brings some good awareness that you can evaluate yourself, look at your habits, and then potentially make changes. All right. I agree. Uh, so do you monitor your habits? Have you been monitoring as we've played along so far? Have you been checking out or using an app, using a pen and paper, just making a check mark in your calendar? Maybe you made a little gold star sticker um, chart for your fridge that you could put stickers that. on when you made the bed and when you flossed your teeth. And oh, actually, I love that. I should probably do that. Yeah, and, I think I uh, want that too. And when you um, uh, drank your water. Oh, also, this reminds me, Jenny, speaking of mm -hmm. um, monitoring, this might fit in nicely. Remember you were talking about your son and uh, in the morning he has certain activities that he needs to do and he was sort of monitoring what he was doing based on what you were telling me about. Absolutely. So there are certain things that I found myself repeating every day with my son. And they were things that I thought would be a good part of his morning routine and him having a little bit of responsibility as well that is age appropriate. The way that we chose to do it was in a and visual also, way. Also, Jenny, just let me interject there. For the yeah. listeners who don't know, age appropriate in his case, he's five. He's five, yes. And we started doing this uh, I want to say maybe last summer before he started school. So he would have been four at the time. And what I did is I went online, like just into Google Docs, and I printed up some little cards that had different, uh, very simple icons on them of uh, making the bed, putting laundry in a laundry basket, eating breakfast, brushing teeth. Um, oh, there's one more getting dressed and oh, putting away laundry was another, I don't know if I already said that. So there was six for the morning. Uh, and then there was some for after school as well, uh, just to get him in the routine of what to expect and build a little structure around that. And I didn't want to nag him. I mean, it was partially selfish on my part as well. I don't want to nag him and be reminding him. I don't want him to rely on my external accountability as he grows up and, I want him to build that internal sense of accountability. So we created these cards and every morning he has a little table and chairs uh, in our living room and the cards are out on his table and he knows that those cards are there. And as he does these little tasks, he goes and flips the card over. 
there are a million different systems. There's little magnet boards you can do this with. I'm sure people who are listening, if if they have kids this age, they and people who don't have kids have seen these little kind of chore charts. But this was just something very easy, very simple. I mean, it's not glamorous, but it's, well, it's something cool, that works though. Well it's for simple us. and it's kind of like a game too. I love it. It is, and and it is attached to um, when he gets them all done. He kind of knows he has a little bit of a time frame, and there is a reward at the end of he gets to watch a couple of minutes of a show uh, before he gets on the bus. So he has something that is at the end of it. So I'm not sure if that's giving some external accountability as well, because there's a motivator there. But it, the, the really fascinating thing is that after a little while, I put these cards out and I don't even have to remind him. I will look over and he's flipping them over as he goes and does. And I mean, he, I mean, that's he's five, cool. so that's really he cool. still needs a little bit of help with a couple of the things. But for the most part, you know, say laundry, there's he can't hang up his clothes on hangers. Um, it's a little too high for him, right? but he can put socks and underwear away in the drawer. So it's things that make sense for him. And it's nice that he's picking that up. He also knows after school, it's that's when he has to go. He has to wash his hands, hang up his backpack, those sorts of tasks. But it's interesting you saying about the flossing the teeth. If say if the kids are outside when he gets off the bus and he wants to play, it is amazing how much it shifts the whole expectation and the routine is off. And then it is harder to get him to do it after. So now we know that when he gets off the bus, he's got to quickly come inside, do his things Before and then he can, can go, go out to play. Yeah, gotcha. absolutely. So okay, I mean, that's, that's really cool. That's a way kind of a low tech way that you can uh, incorporate that for kids. All right. So monitoring works on all ages. So as I was saying, send us a message, uh, at, send us an email at the improvement project at drpeggymalone.com or a voice memo. You can also find us on the socials. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Peggy Malone. Jenny is on Twitter at Jake And we'd really like to hear how is it that you are monitoring your new good habits, whether that's for yourself or for your kids, just as in the example that Jenny gave there. Who are you anyway? Uh, This is where we encourage you to reflect on a question or a concept to know yourself a bit better, which will hopefully be a good aid as you take on new habits. Are you an abstainer or a moderator? That's our question today. So how do we know whether or not we're an abstainer or a moderator? Can you give up something completely and 100% abstain from it? Or can you eat a little bit of something or take on a little bit of something, but still create a new habit using moderation? So let's take it over to you, Jenny. Are you an abstainer or a moderator? There is no gray area on this one for me. I know myself. So if this is a who are you anyway, I know myself and I am definitely an abstainer. I am, it's an on or off switch with me. And I have learned this lesson the hard way so many times. And I know for sure that that is me. I learned this lesson when it came to giving up Diet Pepsi, which was the first challenge in my year of new habits and getting rid of bad habits. After cutting it out completely for several months, I decided in, a, in an admittedly very weak moment to attempt to reintroduce introduce it with a little bit of moderation. So I thought in my mind I could do perhaps one every two days. Within a couple of days, I was back to drinking several per day and I had to restart with the whole cold turkey abstainer approach to kick the habit again. It was disappointing to go back 
into the habit, the bad habit, and then have to start again. But it was a great lesson for me. And that I know I'm just I am not good at moderating, I can't moderate myself with things like that. And especially with Diet Pepsi for whatever reason. And I, I suspect it has something to do with the sweets, because I know when I gave up um, kind of refined sugar, I had the same problem. I, if I'm just not having it, that is easier for me to get my head around than to try and balance it off. So, you know, saying, oh, well, I'll just have one cookie. That doesn't work for me. It actually feels like more freedom to not be having something, which I know can sound very counter to people, but it actually feels like freedom to just have it off the table, not as an option. So, yeah. and I, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't have tried it. So I, I do recommend that for people to try because I know a lot of people say, oh, I couldn't do that. What's the point? And it's like, yeah, just try it. And you might know what I'm talking about when I say that. What would you say that you are, Peggy? I would say I'm an abstainer as well. If there's a rule that's definitive and non-negotiable that I could follow. So let's say it was giving up sweets, but I knew that every day I could have one something and it was defined what it was and there was no decision associated with it other than knowing I could have one, then I would be okay. So I think ultimately what it comes down to is something called decision fatigue. And I think we mm -hmm. might talk about this in a future episode because I think it can be extremely valuable to know about making decisions and how taxing that can be on your motivation and also your willpower. I think that it, what it, kind of, it comes down to is if you can reduce the number of decisions that you have to make, then you're way less likely to keep on track with your good habits. So abstainers, there's no decision to make because you're not thinking to yourself, well, maybe I could have one, maybe I could have another. It's just off the table. It's non-negotiable. There is no decision. So it's not contributing to decision fatigue. It's not reducing your willpower, reducing your motivation by having to make another decision. That's absolutely. And I find, I, I mean, a lot of people would be bored by this, but I eat pretty much the same things every day. I have the kind of the same breakfast and usually about the same lunches. And I know that can be easy, to think that maybe it would be boring, but it's actually very liberating because you're just not thinking about food as much. Yeah. You so, just know, know what it is and you don't have to make a decision. Absolutely. And I think we could on a future episode, have a really interesting conversation around this. Also, when it comes to clothing, one of the other projects oh, yeah. that I'm wearing yes, the uniform. The, yes. And the capsule wardrobe. I think that that is a great example of avoiding. Oh, yes. Fatigue. Let's definitely talk about that on a future episode. Good plan. All right. Before we get distracted by that, what about you? Are you an abstainer or a moderator? Again, let us know by sending us an email at theimprovementproject at drpeggymalone.com or find us in our Facebook group and leave a comment there to let us know. Search for The Improvement Project on Facebook and click on the, on the link there to join and then let us know if you are an abstainer or a moderator. It will be interesting to see what people are. Now it's time for what are you digging lately? This segment is one that may or may not be related to our monthly theme. Peggy and I like to talk with each other about what podcasts we've been listening to and enjoying or what books we've been reading or what random internet hilarity we have found. And we feel like you might find it fun too. So each week, each of us will share something fun that we've pulled from the zeitgeist. I really like that word, that we are loving, that we find useful or practical, or just something that is pure frivolity and fun. I know for, I think you and I have talked about this, 
But the book that I mentioned earlier, The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin, that's what I'm digging. I have re- been rereading it and I'm really enjoying it. I liked listening to it when I had a commute back and forth to work. But now that I have a shorter drive, I'm not listening to books as much. And I have a little bit of time to actually read what I like to call book books. And I'm really enjoying it. I think it's really cool to after now that I've kind of done my year of these experiments to go back and read about Gretchen Rubin's happiness project and and read about what she was doing. So that was one that if you haven't read, I think that that was really cool. And I'm going to have another I'm digging this week because do you think I can have two Peg? Yes, I think you can have two. Okay. I'll get an exception for this week. <laughs> I just watched the new comedy special on Netflix with Tig Notaro. Do you know who Tig Notaro is? Uh-uh, no, I don't. Okay, so she is a comedian and she is a riot. She's hilarious. She has a special on Netflix called Happy to Be Here. I am a big comedy fan and I tend to watch whatever is new on Netflix Uh, when it comes to comedy specials. And it's one of those things, I don't think I even realize how much of it I watch until I'm talking to someone else about comedy specials. And it'll come up and it'll say, oh yeah, I did watch that one. I don't even think I realize how much of these I watch um, because it's just kind of what I enjoy. But oh my gosh, Tig Notaro is hilarious. I also recently read her book and I, I recommend it as well. So she has a couple specials on Netflix, I believe. So if you're looking for something to watch on Netflix, Peg, check out Tig Notaro. Happy to be here. Definitely. I'll check that out. All right. The thing that I'm digging this week is a podcast and it's called My Favorite Murder, which sounds kind of uh, um, morbid, which I guess it is, but it's also hilarious, which seems a funny uh combination. Anyways, my sisters, Jenny and Patty, love this podcast. And it's two women, and they have an obsession with true crime. And every week on the episode, they take a case, uh, sometimes a cold case, sometimes just an old case that's been solved, and it's a murder that's happened. And they talk about the case, they talk about what happened, they talk about the ins and the outs of things. Sometimes they'll talk about unsolved cases. And then they're also chatting with each other a lot through the whole podcast as well. And also just, uh, uh, I guess, a bit of a spoiler alert, but maybe just an alert for anybody who has kids in the car. Don't listen to it with your kids in the car because they swear constantly. Um, oh. So if you're not into that, then you could avoid this one. But they are super funny. And I'm I'm digging it lately. I'm finding it fairly entertaining. So that's a good one for like putting your headphones. Yeah, put on your headphones if you're going to listen to my favorite murder. <laughs> Interesting. I remember maybe not only because one. of the swearing, but also because sometimes they talk about like gruesome, terrible things because they're talking about murder. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So Do maybe that's a reflection like... of my brain, but it's funny. <laughs> Do you usually like true crime and those sorts of things? Well, I, when I was a kid, and when I say I was a kid, like when I was in grade seven, eight, and nine, I was into Stephen King books, but I would also read a lot of true crime. So I had a phase where I really liked it. And then now that I'm listening to this podcast, I'm sort of re-obsessed with it. And anytime I'm watching a movie on TV and I know it's based on a true story, I get obsessed with it then too. I go straight to the Wikipedia page and I want to know every detail about what really happened and who was involved and you know what what might have happened. What were the conspiracies associated with it? So I would say yes, probably. I do like true crime. And the other thing that I'll mention is these two women have a massive following and they have what they call their fan cult. And it's all mostly women. And there are these women and they call themselves murderinos. And they have all of this swag that they wear that says, stay sexy and don't get murdered. And yes, you told me about that. That is hilarious. Yeah, it's super fun. 
Oh, that's so great. So if you're into true crime or if you just want to check it out and have a laugh, my favorite murder. I'll put the links to the the digging things that uh, Jenny mentioned, uh, as well as my favorite murder in the show notes. So you can find the links there. Awesome. All right. Uh, Next week, Jenny, guess what? It's time for a book report. Yeah, I need to get on top of that one. Thank you for the reminder. All right. So for everybody that's listening, uh, on the third week of each of our monthly challenges, third or fourth week, depending on the month, we are going to do a book report. So at the beginning of the month, as you'll remember, we told you that we are going to be discussing my uh, online pretend best friends, Gretchen Rubin, her book, Better Than Before, which is about habits. And I'm just going to read the, 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 I have the book here with me. I'm going to read the back of the book so you can get a sense of what it's about. Habits are the invisible architecture of everyday life. Most of us have a habit we'd like to change, and there's no shortage of expert advice. But as we all know from tough experience, no magic, one-size-fits-all solution exists. In Better Than Before, acclaimed writer Gretchen Rubin identifies every approach that actually works. With her signature mix of rigorous research and engaging storytelling, Rubin answers the most perplexing questions about habits. Why do we find it tough to create a habit for something we love to do? How can we keep our healthy habits when we're surrounded by temptations? How can we help someone else change a habit? Ruben reveals the true secrets to habit change. First, we must know ourselves. When we shape our habits to suit ourselves, we can find success, even if we failed before. Whether you want to eat more healthfully, stop checking devices, or finish a project, the invaluable ideas in Better Than Before will start you working on your own habits even before you finish the book. So it's right up our alley, as you might imagine, since we love to talk about habits and changing habits and creating good habits. So if you haven't already, pick up the book. Again, you'll find a link for it in the show notes, and uh, we're going to discuss it next week. I'm really looking forward to rereading this one. This is another one of those ones that I did... Uh, listen to and I think I'm I'm gonna really enjoy diving into it and actually reading it you get so much you get a different experience out of a book reading versus listening to it I don't think one is better than the other um, but it's cool to to take another look at it and I think this like you say this is perfect for us um, so yeah I'm looking forward to it me too me too now let's talk about being kind to your older self We have been talking about little things that we can do to be kinder to our older self. So for me, being kind to my older self has been my older self the next morning. Just to review, being kind to your older self can be your older self 12 minutes from now, 12 hours from now, 12 years from now, 50 years from now. What I've been doing to be kinder to my older self is I've been making my green smoothie that I drink the night before so that I don't have to put it together in the morning before work. I found that I'm much more likely to keep this habit up if I make it the night before. And I'm so happy in the morning when I just have to grab it from the fridge and I don't have to go through the process of chopping and blending while I'm also getting my son ready for school. Drinking a green smoothie for me is very, very necessary because I admit it, I'm an adult, but I am not a good veggie eater. It helps me get a loads of greens right away in the morning first thing and check that off the mental list of things that I need to do to be healthy. So this is kind of a double 
kind to my older self because my older self the next day, so helping myself out 12 hours from now and doing something kind so that in case the morning is going sideways, that's one less thing I have to do, but also years from now because it's going to, I hope, make me healthier in the long run. If not, it was all a waste of time. But oh, I think it will. I think a, it's great. Oh, I hope so. Um, but I will say this is my little cautionary note. Not all smoothies or juices taste good made the day before. So this doesn't work for every kind of a smoothie. The thing that I think m- makes it not good is if you're using frozen fruit, potentially, such as banana. I have tried this before and it can be pretty gross. The one that I make is just made with all raw vegetables and fruits. And so it tastes fine the next day. And I would say it's, you would probably consider it a little bit more of a juice than a smoothie, but I, I have found that this is something that works really well for me and it just makes your morning a little easier. How about you? Uh, well, for me, I get my coffee maker all set up the night before to provide me with that delicious liquid gold in the morning. So I would say that's being a little kinder to my older self. Um, and I should though consider the green smoothie as a challenge and I should get after it. So that said, you've inspired me. And maybe what we can do is that one of our monthly or upcoming monthly challenges could be about um, a daily green smoothie. Nice. I like that. I, I especially like it if you pick things that I'm already doing because it makes it easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. That's awesome. All right. If we could just pick all the ones that I've managed to stick to, that would make my life easy. <laughs> I love that. What about you? Do you get your food or lunch or your green smoothie ready the night before? Do you set out your workout clothes or get ready in some other way to better prepare to partake in your good habits the next day? Let us know how you are kinder to your older self. And in this case, we mean your 12 hours older self by preparing the night before. So again, send us an email or a voice memo at the improvement project at drpeggymalone.com or leave us a comment in the Facebook group. Our last segment for the day is you win or you learn. Each week, Jenny and I will trade off during this segment to let you know where we did something right and there is cause to celebrate or where something perhaps went off the rails and allowed for a learning opportunity. There can be These can be related to our journey as we take on new habits or they may just be celebrations and bumps in the road in our everyday lives. Okay, so this week I have a win. Yeah, very, I'm very, very excited to report that since the last time we spoke, I have managed to meditate every single day. Yay! I'm using, yay! I'm using an app called Insight Timer, and I have committed to meditating for at least five minutes per day. This is a habit that I get so much benefit from, and I'm so glad that I've been able to get back into it. Insight Timer is a free app, but there are a ton of meditation apps out there that you can you know, look at length, rating, type of meditation, all of those. I've used other meditation apps like Calm and Headspace, and they are all great uh, at making you keep up with your regular practice. Insight Timer just happens to be the one that I go back to time and again. I just, I really like it. There are some great meditations on there. Um, So check it out. There's lots of, Headspace is a great one for introducing yourself into the world of meditating. But on an ongoing basis, Insight Timer is great. And also related to the monitoring thing we're talking about, it gives you awesome little charts of how you're doing. And then you get little stars if you get so many days in a row. Oh, so you're that's a fun. data and a gold star nerd. So this is right? 100% right up your alley. It's the bomb diggity. 
<laughs> All right. This week for me is The Learn, and it's Calvin related. So for those of you who don't know, Calvin is my old, grumpy, fat, orange cat. He's 14, and he has arthritis in his hips, and he Aww. has a tendency in certain scenarios to pee inappropriately. Oh, no. So I love him, but he has his challenges. So last week, we had a party during the weekend, and there was a lot of people in the house. Well, this causes him stress. Sometimes if he's stressed, he pees inappropriately. And I give him medication every day and have for years in order so that he is less likely to pee inappropriately. And when I say pee inappropriately, if I left my bed, can I just tell you what this means? If I left my bedroom door open, he would pee on our bed, but not where I sleep, where John sleeps. So John wants to give him what he calls a dirt nap. And I say, no, he is our family member and we love him and he is not having a dirt nap anytime soon, which John is joking, by the way. Anyway, uh, the medication is very helpful and it keeps him his stress down. So generally speaking, he's fine. So on top of these two things where he's run out of his medication, we had the party, he was stressed. Well, then on the Monday after the party, I had the professional cleaner come, which was amazing. I spoke about it last episode, how amazing it was because I felt like our house was levitating because I loved it so much. But what happened when there was a professional cleaner is all of Calvin's familiar smells were gone and that raised his stress level. And then he peed inappropriately several times. So all of this sounds bad, but what I learned was that Calvin needs his routines and his habits too. And I need to pay attention to him as well as me. So uh, it might sound a little strange, but I had to learn this week where I had to realize that my poor Cal needs his meds and he needs a little bit more love and he needs a little bit less stress. And so that's what I learned. Ah, poor Calvin. Poor Calvin. <laughs> And that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. Remember, let us know how you monitor your good habits and also if you are an abstainer or a moderator. Also, let us know how you are kinder to your 12 hours older self. Email us or send us a voice memo at theimprovementproject at drpeggymalone.com. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts if you haven't already. We would love to connect on the socials. I'm on Instagram at drpeggymalone and Jenny is on Twitter at jakehouse. We also have a Facebook group. Search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Now go get to work on improving the most important project that you have. That's you. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay focused and get after it. Well then, I uh, feel like we can finish this conversation because I've filled my quota for learning for the day. Yes. I don't need to learn another thing. All right. (laughs) Sounds good. Good job. Oh, Jenny.